All right. Well, speaking of happy people, I hope you are. And uh, and I'm really uh, I'm certainly happy that you're here. So whether you've been here a long time or it's your first time, uh, you're more than welcome. And and today, uh, as we jump into this one question series, I want to say hi to everybody at Legacy. But are there campuses, too, and people online or podcasting, however you're in this Um, today in this one question series that we're continuing? The whole series is really built around what Chase Oakers wanted to talk about. So we sent the word out. On social media, hey, if you could ask God one question, what would that one question be? And during the four weeks of this series, we just took the four top answers. And today we're talking about a really a constellation of questions that really have to do with disappointment with God. A lot of questions about, hey, why doesn't God answer this prayer? Why hasn't God done this for me? Why isn't God doing what God's supposed to do in my life? Uh, Or why did this happen in my life? Why did he allow this? So it's disappointment with God and a bunch of questions around that. And so to get us in the mode of disappointment, rather than us being disappointed, we're going to watch a video of somebody else getting disappointed. And uh, and this is you may have seen these Jimmy Kimmel videos where they get celebrity parents to tell their kids that they ate all their Halloween candy. They didn't, but they just tell them that. And you see the reaction kind of mean. Uh, but let's uh, let's watch. This is Channing. Actually, this is Channing Tatum uh, and his little daughter. Let's watch. I'm sorry, but I need all your candy. Sorry, I just got so hungry. Do you want me to say to daddy? I'm kidding, I didn't need your candy. I'm so sorry, baby. I hope you forgive me someday for that. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I mean, isn't that hard to watch, right? Because she's such a sweet little girl, right? And, and, uh, and, and just crushed that that could happen, right? Her whole little world crushed that how could my dad, the one I love, the one who loves me, the one I've trusted, how could he do something like that? How could, I eat all, how could he eat all my Halloween candy and you just see her little world, you know, kind of imploding for a little while? And if you live life long enough with our Heavenly Father, with God, there's going to be some of those, I think he just ate on my Halloween candy moments, where we, we find ourselves wondering, what in the world is God doing? Or why is he not doing what he should be doing or what we would expect him to do? And a lot of the prayer, or a lot of the, the questions that came in were very, very specific. It was like, uh, like the way one person said it. Um, she said, Hey, I get that this world's messed up and Jesus is going to fix it one day. We live in a fallen, broken world. Bad things happen. But I prayed all my life. I mean, this is all I've ever wanted is to be able to have children of my own. And God's just never allowed that to happen. And why? That's what I would ask him. Or other people who said, I've been out of work for two years and 
and God promises to provide. And it's just I don't see it happening. Or other people said, man, I, I prayed and I prayed that God would heal my child or heal my husband or my wife or whoever. And he didn't. And I don't have them anymore. And or other people who say, man, I've struggled with this for years and I and I'm doing everything I know how to do and I'm trusting God. But I still have the same struggle and I see other people who seem to God just helps them over the hump and I'm just stuck and I don't know why God's not like I just don't get it. I don't understand why God isn't doing what I'm asking him to do when what I'm asking him to do is a really good thing. And like I said, if you live life, you know, with it long enough that we're going to have those kind of moments. Um, I know for uh, for Christy and me, uh, you know, Valentine's Day is kind of a kind of a weird holiday for us. And I mean, we love each other, so it's a great time to celebrate love. I'm all for Valentine's Day. I'm not, you know, some people get all mad just for the card companies. And I think it's great. No problem. But for us, it's a little bit difficult because of really two events that happened near that time. So, uh, Feb- it, you know, February 14th, uh, 40 years ago, when Christy was 14 years old, her mom went into a coma on that day and ch- complications with childbirth. And, and she and a lot of people were praying, praying, praying that God would, you know, heal her mom. I mean, why, why would he take away this wonderful, godly woman and mother of these little kids and but she didn't come out of the coma. And on the 16th, February 16th, she passed away. Ironically, 30 something years later, just a couple of years ago, my dad that we were praying for that that he, for one thing, would never get ALS when we thought it could be. And then it was. And then he died February 16th as well, which is pretty crazy to think about. So February 16th and that whole Valentine, it's just a weird time because it's not just a reminder of People that we love and miss, we'll see one day, but miss now. But it's also a reminder of a whole lot of prayers that were prayed and a whole lot of hopes that we had that just didn't go our way, didn't go the way we thought we should. And it just kind of brings out some of that disappointment and grief again. And maybe you can relate to that. Some of you are in it right now. You're you're in a time where it's just disappointing and you're disappointed with God. Some of you may be in a time... Uh, where you, you don't, it's not now, but as you look back on your life, there's just some big unanswered questions. And what we're going to talk about today is, well, then what's going on with that? And what do you do when you're, you know, you're right in the middle of it? How do you just move forward in a way where it's so disappointing? What, what's the difference between walking in faith and walking in disappointment? And, and how, how can we just get through it? So, Today, what we're going to do is we're going to read a story in the Bible that's going to help us out. And it is a disappointment with God's story. And we're going to see how it plays out. And actually, I'm doing something I've never done before because we're going back to a passage in the Bible that we looked at two weeks ago. Usually, like there's a statute of limitations. If we've done a passage, we won't do it for a few years. And uh, but we're going back. And here's why. It's Greg Holmes did an amazing job the first week of this series talking about why the big question of why suffering and why evil in this world. And he spent a little bit of time in this passage in John chapter 11 with Jesus and his really close friends, Lazarus and Mary and Martha, who were all siblings to each other. Not Jesus, but Lazarus, Mary and Martha, brothers and sisters. And he told us, hey, all, all I can do is just touch on this passage and this message. And so he encouraged us to during that week. Just read that passage and spend time in that Bible passage. Everybody remembers that, right? 
And, uh, and so I, I did because I'm a good church person. If I go ahead and cue the applause, I just, yeah. Um, no, I did. I, I, sometimes I don't, but I did that time. And so I, I, I read, as I read it, it was so impactful to me. I thought, man, let's, we're going to go back to that passage. It's like a, um, it, it, it's like we get a head start as a church and we're going to go a little bit. We're going to be able to spend more time on the passage than he was able to. And then just look at it through a different filter, through the filter of disappointment with God. Why is God not doing what he should be doing or what is good to do when we're asking, like, what's the deal? So I'm going to read the story. And this is a much longer passage than I heard than pretty much I ever read. But we're going to read the whole story and then we're going to talk about it. So can we focus? Can we listen? Right. The whole thing. Okay, here we go. Now, a man named Lazarus was sick. And he was from Bethany, the village of Mary and her sister, Martha. So the sisters sent word to Jesus, Lord, the one you love is sick. And when he heard this, Jesus said, this sickness will not end in death. No, it is for God's glory so that God's son may be glorified through it. Now, Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. And so when he heard that Lazarus was sick, he stayed where he was two more days. And then he said to his disciples, let us go back to Judea. Lazarus is dead. And for your sake, I'm glad I was not there so that you may believe, but let us go to him. On his arrival, Jesus found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb for four days. And many Jews had come to Martha and Mary to comfort them at the loss of their brother. And when Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went out to meet him. But Mary stayed at home. Lord, Martha said to Jesus, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But I know that even now God will give you whatever you ask. And Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. And Martha answered, I know he'll rise again in the resurrection at the last day. And Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will not will live even though they die. And whoever lives by believing in me will never die. Do you believe this? Yes, Lord, she replied. I believe you're Messiah, son of God, who's come into this world And after she said this, she went back and called her sister Mary aside. The teacher's here, she said, and he's asking for you. When Mary heard that, she got up quickly and went to him. And when Mary reached the place where Jesus was and saw him, she fell at his feet and said, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. And when Jesus saw her weeping and the Jews who'd come along with her also weeping, he was deeply moved in spirit and troubled. Where have you laid him? He asked, come and see, Lord, they replied. Jesus wept. And then the Jews said, see how he loved him. But some of them said, could not he who opened the eyes of the blind man have kept this man from dying? Jesus, once more deeply moved, came to the tomb. Take away the stone, he said. But Lord, said Martha, by this time there's a bad odor for he's been there for four days. In the King James, it says he stinketh. It's a good little phrase. He stinketh. Uh, For those of you who are parents, you know that, you know, sometimes that's a good thing to remember. He stinketh. Then Jesus said, did I not tell you that if you believe you will see the glory of God? So they took away the stone. And then Jesus looked up and said, Father, I thank you that you've heard me. I know that you always hear me, but I, but I said this for the benefit of the people standing here, that they may believe that you sent me. And when he had said this, Jesus called in a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. And the dead man came out. His hands and feet wrapped with strips of linen and cloth around his face. And Jesus said to them, take off the grave clothes and let him go. 
And therefore, many of the Jews who come to visit Mary and had seen what Jesus did, believed in him. So that's the story. And it's a good story, right? Because it has a happy ending. It's not like going to see a star is born and you're like, oh, man. And sorry if you haven't seen it. But um, but right. It's it's like, oh, you know, it's a good story because you have the whole picture. But what I want us to focus on is not the end of the story, even though it's important. And we'll look at it. I want us to to be in the middle, go to the middle of the story. Because this is really a story of disappointment with Jesus. It's a story of disappointment with God. And what I'm, and some of you are right in the middle of that right now. And, and what I'm talking about is the delay. And Greg did a good job of talking about the strange delay, right? Where, uh, where Jesus, uh, you know, is told, hey, this is going to happen. And, and Lazarus is dead. And, and, and he could have gone. He could have healed him. But he doesn't. He stays there for two days. He waits till he's dead. And then he goes. And it's this distressing, confusing delay. And that's why when Martha um, comes, the first sister, when Jesus is there, she starts, Lord, if you'd been here, my brother would not have died. Meaning you should have been here, but you weren't. But she has faith and hope still. And she says, but I know God will still do whatever you ask, meaning, you know, anything is possible. But Mary stays home. And I think the reason Mary stayed home, even though Jesus was coming in, is I don't think she was real happy with Jesus. I think she's pretty disillusioned with Jesus. And that's why Martha goes back and says, get out there. And she gets out there and she doesn't say all the hopeful stuff. She just sticks with this, Lord. And obviously they've been talking about it because they use the same phrase. Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died, meaning you should have been here and you weren't. And even the crowd as they look at it and Jesus is weeping and they're like, you know, some of them are like, oh, look how he loved him. Other parts of the crowd were much more cynical than that. They said, could not he who opened the eyes of the blind man have kept this man from dying? That's a good question. And it's a troubling question. You know why? Because of the answer. The answer is yes. Jesus totally could have kept this man from dying. The man that he loved, he could have kept it from dying in the first place. And that's the tough question. That's the big thing in the story is why would Jesus not? Why would Jesus have delayed? Why would Jesus have allowed this to happen? Why, why, why? And I want us to to take that and we're going to look back at the story because the way John, who was one of the disciples of Jesus, who was there, who witnessed all this, the way he the way he writes this story is he helps us out a lot. Because he's going to remind us of some things that are true, that we can sink our teeth in, that we know are true. That we can always remember when life gets confusing. When we're going through things in life that make no sense. How could a good God allow this? I know bad things happen because we live in a fallen world, but I also know that God allows everything. Like why, or God's not answering our prayer, or God's not fulfilling our hope or dream, or God's not doing what we think God should be doing. Like God, when we get confused, and we will... As we think back through the story, we're going to see some things to help us move forward that we can just know for sure. I may not, I may be confused right now. I may not know why all this is going on, but these three, three things we're going to look at, like I know. And here's the first one. And John brings out in a really cool way in the story. The first one is God's love. Then no matter what is happening, no matter what the circumstances are, as bad and confusing as they may be, We can be assured of God's love, that God loves you and that whatever we're going through has been filtered through his love, as crazy as that may seem. And the way John writes the story, he makes that really clear. 
because he adds this little phrase. He adds this little sentence in here. So right when Jesus is told and he says, okay, yeah, you know, uh, I know that he's dying, but we're just going to stay here. So he just stays for two days. He delays. It's a troubling part of the story because you're like, well, why doesn't he go heal him? Why is he waiting? Why is he not going there? And so John, knowing that that's a little uncomfortable, adds this sentence. Now, Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. He adds that fact that of Jesus's love. Why? Because at that point in the story, it's not very obvious. It's not very congruent with the circumstances. The circumstances aren't screaming. God loves you. But it doesn't mean it's not true. And whenever you and I begin to doubt the love of God because of what's happening in our life, and we will. We can just kind of remember, this is confusing, but I know God loves me. And whenever I think about that, and I'm having a hard time with that, I think back to a story that, that really just helped me think about God's love for me. And it's a story of my own parenting. This was when Colin, who's my oldest, uh, this was our first baby, uh, we took him to the pediatrician for the first time. So he was just, I don't know how many weeks or months old. I, I don't know. Christy, my wife is here. She would know, but I don't know. Um, and let's say a couple months old. I don't know. He's just a little guy. Okay. So I, we're holding him. I'm at the doctor too. And Christy's there, and, you know, and, uh, and so far, you know, just for those couple months in the life of Colin, the world of humans has been nothing but positive. Like every adult that's come into his life has been awesome. I mean, everybody just every, everybody's happy. In fact, humans are really great because they do everything for you. Like they're they're funny. They they come up to you and go, "Oh, look at you! You're so cute. Look at me, doo 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 doo." Yeah, I mean, they make you laugh, right? They uh, they I mean, they even change your diapers. They feed you. They do everything for you. It's like the world of humanity is totally built around you, and that's the way it should be. And life's good when you're a little baby. So the doctor's there and all that. And then the doctor says, well, now it's time to give him his shot. And, uh, and I was holding him. And I remember, you know, holding Colin. And Colin's looking up at me and this other new human he's met. And he's kind of looking like, you know, it's look good. Life's good. But then the, the little needle comes out. And I remember when it goes into his leg. And he began to not just cry because of pain. But you could see it as he's looking at me. It's a cry of betrayal. You know, it's like, how can you let this happen? I thought you were good. I thought you would let this kind of thing happen. And who's this guy? And why would you let this happen? And humans are bad. I thought they were good, but they're bad and you're bad. I mean, all that's going through, like, looking just his whole world is, you know, being crushed. And I'm holding him. And I wish I could somehow explain it to him. But he's not very smart yet. <laughs> right? And I, I don't know how to explain it to him. And, and I can't explain it to him. And that's the way it is with us and God. I mean, the things that happen in our life in a fallen world that God allows and how you, I mean, it's, it's, a, it's kind of over our pay grade, but it doesn't mean that God doesn't love us. In fact, John, who writes this, also wrote a book called First John, and he also wrote Second and Third John. And he says, this is real love, not that we have loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as a sacrifice to take away our sins. Here's what I take from that. Whenever you or I begin to question God's love, so remember the cross. I mean, if you think about it, really, how can we ever question his love for us? I mean, yes, circumstances may really stink and it may be really confusing, but all we got to do is remember, oh yeah, he did the unthinkable for me. He gave everything for me. I know he loves me. 
and I'm just going to trust it. So that's the first thing, to God's love for us. The other thing we see in the, in the story, things that we can really hang on to, that we could put a stake in the ground and know no matter what is God is present with us. God's presence that God is with you. When really confusing and bad things happen, it's easy to think, well, God's abandoned me. But God never abandons his children. He's always with us and he's not just with us, but there to comfort us, to give us strength, empathize with us. And we see that in the story. Um, when you when you look back at the story, so he, you know, Jesus comes and Mary lets him have it. And it says, and when Jesus saw her weeping and the Jews who come along with her also weeping, he was deeply moved in spirit and troubled. And Jesus wept. It's a profound little sentence. Jesus wept. Uh, it's its own verse in the Bible. The guy who uh, did the Bible verses made this little sentence. It's actually not the shortest verse in the Bible, technically. It's the second shortest verse in the Bible. Um, there's another verse that I think it's first Thessalonians. that says pray without ceasing. It's actually in Greek, the original language shorter. I don't know why I'm telling you that, but anyway, this is the, uh, this is the second shortest verse in the Bible, but it is cool because you can memorize it. In fact, let's memorize it right now. Uh, John 11:35. Jesus wept. You know, how some churches are so serious and they like, well, we do Bible memory at our church at Chase Oaks. You go, well, we do it too. John 11:35. Jesus wept. So just remember that. All right, let's go back. So why did Jesus weep? You know, he didn't weep because of Lazarus. He knew what was going to happen with Lazarus. He knew the end of the story was going to happen just minutes after this. So that's not why he's weeping. He knew the big picture. The reason he wept, John tells us, when he saw her weeping and those who had come along weeping, he empathized. And here's what that tells us about God is that God is empathetic. God weeps when we weep. God cares about our hurts, even though he knows the big picture. He weeps because he cares about us. And and that's instructive for me, because think about what Jesus could have done. I mean, just minutes later, it's all going to be different. He could have said, oh, don't cry. Don't do. No, no, no. Don't cry. Don't be disappointed. I'm telling you a little bit later, just a couple hours from now, it's all going to be good. I mean, minutes from now, it's going to be good. A couple hours will all be, you know, we'll go out and drink a beer and laugh about this. Don't just don't even worry about it. He doesn't do that. He doesn't like poo poo it away or he just cries. And that's instructive for me because I'm not so good at that. I'm not good at allowing myself to feel disappointment or feel sadness or even let other people do that. I mean, I don't do like hiring and firing much anymore, but there was a time I used to around here. And it's at times you have to let people go or you have to fire people and they're not a good fit or whatever it is. And, uh, and, and when I did that, I would get so excited about their next step and about where they do fit. I'd be like, you know, oh man, it's going to be so great. We're going to help you get there and it's going to be amazing and God's going to use you and all that. I'm all excited about it. And they're like, yeah, but I don't have a job here, right? Oh, yeah, but that's no big deal. I mean, we're, I, mean I want you to focus on what's next, right? And they're like, I'd rather just have my job, you know? <laughs> and I had to learn, right, that you know, we can't even think about that yet. There's a time to think about that. But right now, just time to be kind of disappointed, and that's okay. Same way with my kids. I had to learn to be a dad that could be disappointed and allow my kids to be disappointed. But Jesus doesn't have that hang up. God doesn't have that hang up. In fact, there's a, there's a really great verse That I think is a profound verse in the Bible. It's in the book of Hebrews and it says, we don't have a priest 
who's out of touch with our reality. That's talking about Jesus, who's the mediator between us and God. He's been through weakness and testing, experienced it all, all but the sin. What Hebrews tells us is that, that when Jesus came, he could have just zipped down, done the cross and, you know, gotten back up there. No big deal. But he didn't do that. He came as a little baby. He grew up. He lived among us. Why? In part because he wanted to suffer everything that we suffer. He wanted to know experientially what it's like to be us so that when we are hurting and we're discouraged and we've been betrayed and we've been hurt or we've been abused or we've been mistreated or whatever. And we come to God in our pain. He knows experientially what it's like to be us. So that he can bring his comfort, that he can bring his strength. That's how much he wanted to identify with you and me. He knows what it's like to experience all those things. It's like uh, when my kids were little, my boys were just little toddlers, like barely able to talk, barely able to walk. There were times where they would be insecure or they would feel alone or they would feel scared and they would walk up, you know, just as, you know, little tiny people and put their hands up and say, Daddy, hold me. And I never once looked down at them and said, get away, you little weirdo, you little <laughs> needy. Come on, buck up. I didn't do that. Right. It was an honor to just pull him up into my arms. And he knew it was going to be OK. Right. I didn't have to explain everything. Just and for some of us here today, you may be like Mary, where you're kind of staying back at the house because you're kind of mad, disappointed. I understand. I think he understands that, too. But maybe it's time to just kind of come up to him and say, Daddy, hold me. I don't, I don't get it. I'm scared. I'm confused. I, but you know what? I just need you to hold me. And he's the kind of God who weeps when we weep and who's ready to do that. There's another reality that is so important to anchor our faith. And that is God's purpose. That God is always up to something good, even when the circumstances aren't good. I mean, life in a fallen world, it's not that God causes everything to happen. We, we're the one who broke the world. Bad stuff happens. He doesn't shield us from bad stuff and all that. And so, you know, stuff's going to happen. And, and the Bible gives us that expectation. Jesus said, in this world, you will have trouble. He didn't say, I'll make it easy for you. He didn't say that. So we, we can expect difficult things to happen. And it's not like God causes everything. Like in this story, he didn't go kill Lazarus and say, now let me show you something. Lazarus got sick and he died and and God turns that around and uses that for good. And that's what God does. That's what Paul talked about in Romans eight. And we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him and are called according to his purpose. His promise for those who believe for his children, he was always he will always work out whatever we're going through for a bigger purpose as he weaves our story. And you see that in this story in John 11. Jesus was always so clear that there's a bigger purpose going on. And it's mentioned multiple times in the story that we read. Here's one of those times when he first hears about Lazarus's sickness. He says this sickness will not end in death, even though he did die, but it didn't end in death. Notice for God's glory so that God's son may be glorified through it. He's just saying there's a bigger thing here. There's a bigger purpose. And then look what he says next. Now, Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus so when he heard that Lazarus was sick, he stayed where he was two more days. Now that doesn't really make sense at first glance. The word so. 
you would expect a but to be there, not a so to be there. And this is a time, you don't want butts everywhere, but this is a time that would be a good place for a butt. All right? And some of you have my sense of humor. You, you know, it's like you said butt. And I, I, I like you. I, I'm right with you. I still... Uh, I, I still owe you as a church this series I talked about a long time ago, the big butts of the Bible, because there's some really important butts, B-U-T's, but, but really, and so we need to do that. But, so you would expect a big butt to be right here. So, you know, Jesus loved them, but despite that, when he hears, he delays. Right? That makes sense, but that's not what it says. It says Jesus loved them, so he delays. Like, What? Because he had a bigger purpose in mind. There was something bigger. Yeah, it was going to be painful for a little bit, but this was going to be way better and way bigger. And, and he, this is an opportunity for them to believe, for them to sink their faith deeper, for people who don't know Jesus to believe in him. That's why later he says to the disciples, Lazarus is dead. And for your sake, disciples, I'm glad I was not there to heal him so that you may believe. But let's go to him now. When he uh, gets there. He says to those sisters before he raises Lazarus from the dead, did I not tell you that if you believe, you'll see the glory of God? When he prays, he says, God, this is an opportunity so that people believe. And people did believe and people would be in heaven because of that belief. And for the sisters and everybody there, right? Something really big happened in their life that day. This would become a highlight of their life, not a low point of their life. And Jesus makes things that way. But they had the benefit of the end of the story. Right? I mean, it's a lot easier to say, yeah, you know, that's amen, Jeff, when you can see the end of the story. Right. I mean, we got the end of the story it ends in resurrection. I mean, if they did go out for beers after that, they would have laughed about this after it would be all, you know, together and, you know, laughing about it. And and Mary and Lazarus and Martha and Jesus. And they're like, wow, Jesus, you you really got us on this one. I mean, wow, we we boy, we, we thought you didn't give a flip. I mean, that delay. I mean, wow, I get it now. But that that was kind of messed up. I mean, that I was like, you know, the eating the Halloween candy thing. I mean, is what it, and then and Martha would have said and Mary. Remember, you didn't even want to come out. You're so mad at Jesus. Yeah, I know. I know. I was mad at Jesus. And, and then they would have been yucking it up. Oh, man. You know, Lazarus boy, you boy, did you stink it? I mean, wow, you really stank. And he's like, I know. And they haven't invented that Axe body wash yet. That would have helped. I mean, I'm still kind of trying to get the stink off. And, uh, and you know what? I'm right. You can just picture the, the conversation afterwards. Like, wow. Phew. But they got to see the end of the story. It's not so easy when you can't see the end of the story. And, and the Bible talks about that, too. In, in the book of Hebrews, it talks about these big Heroes of the faith in Hebrews 11. It's a really cool passage in the Bible. Hebrews 11. Abraham and Sarah and Jacob and Isaac and all these people. And here's what it says about many of these heroes of the faith. These all died in faith. Notice that in faith, not in disappointment, not having received the things promised. So you think, wait a minute. I thought God always keeps his promises. How did they die? And they didn't get what God promised. That doesn't make sense. But having seen them and greeted them from afar, meaning knowing that God was at work and it would happen after, like it would all make sense after they died. And having acknowledged that they were strangers and pilgrims on this earth. They could somehow in faith realize, hey, I may not see it all make sense here, but I know it's going to make sense eventually. And I'm going to trust God for that. And they died 
never having known the end of the story. They would know it and they could kind of see it by faith from afar. But they chose to live in faith so that they died by faith. It could have been they all died in disappointment, not having received the things promised. But by faith, they trusted God. God, this doesn't make sense, but I'm going to choose faith until it does. You know, I I talked about February 16th in our family. And, uh, and, you know, for for Christy, my wife, I mean, I I don't know why all that happened to her when she was 14 and why her mom and and she had two very little sisters and all that. I mean, it's just a lot that in part of that story. I have no idea why everything happened. I can't, I can't explain it all. We haven't seen the end of the story. We do see glimpses. I can certainly see how God used that experience in my wife's life to create the wonderful person she is. She's compassionate. She's empathetic. She's strong. She has faith. Right? She, she has the ability to trust God or trust muscles. Or, right? she, she does whatever it takes to get it done because she had to learn how to do that as a 14-year-old. And, I mean, there's a lot of really, really good things that happen in the, lot, in the way God used it. But that doesn't answer everything. And so our job is, hey, we can, we can live in faith or we can live in disappointment. It's kind of our choice. And so let's kind of go back to the beginning of, this, of what we talked about today. You know, when we find ourselves... In disappointment. And our question is, God, why aren't you doing what I'm asking you to do when what I'm asking is really good? Or, or why did you allow this bad thing to happen in my life and I still don't get it and it's not all making sense? And when we find ourselves in that kind of confusion, let's remember what we do know. In a little bit, we're going to go to God in prayer and say, God, I'm going to bring my disappointment to you. I'm going to bring my question to you. And I'm just going to ask you to submit these things in my heart. Because... I, I, I need to know this so that I can choose faith and not just be stuck in disappointment, not be stuck in the house like Mary, but I, I, I can come out and, and say, Daddy, hold me. And remember that no matter what's going on, you know that God loves you. If you ever doubt that, remember the cross. That God is with you. And he's ready to hold you. He's ready to let... To strengthen you with his presence. He's not just there. He's there to comfort and strengthen when we open up our heart to him. And God is always up to something good. Even when it doesn't make sense. Just say, God, I don't get it. I'm sure eventually, and it may not be till after I die, I'll get it. But for now, I'm just going to trust you. That you're up to something good. And with that in mind, just think of that disappointment in your life. Think of that question the big question in your life. Let's bow our heads together before God. God, you know, prayer, again, like I always say, is just talking to God in our own words. And this is an opportunity in a busy life, in a hectic pace, just to be quiet before God and talk to Him. And I want you to just say, God, you, if you have that disappointment in your mind or that big question in your life and mind, why did this happen or why isn't this happening or why didn't this happen... Just, God can take it. Just say, God, I don't get this. And just, in your heart, just say, God, it's what it is. God, I don't get it. And I may never get it on this side of heaven. But, 
Would you remind me now, cement these things in my life? God, would, would you help me experience this in a, in a tangible way? First of all, your love for me. God, I know that everything that happens, even in a fallen world, is filtered through your love. And then, God, would you submit the fact that you're present with me and that you care and that you want to strengthen me? Would you help me feel your presence and the strength of your presence right now, even in my hurt and disappointment? Daddy, would you hold me? And then, God, submit in my heart that I know that you're up to something good. And this is a bad thing. But you promised to turn it, turn it around for good in my life, to use it for good. And would you do that? And would you help me trust that? Father, we thank you that we're not alone. And you know our disappointment. You know our confusions. And you're patient with us even when we can't see the big picture. And just walk us through it. And we thank you. In Jesus' name, amen.